0: This Christopher McKinnon, and you're listening to the Notes from Dad to Son podcast. A podcast from a dad who's still trying to figure it all out in time for his son being old enough to start asking questions. Welcome to Notes from Dad to Son, episode 30... what? Episode 30-what? Episode 36, recorded something like four or five weeks, or whatever the hell it is since the last one. So where have we been? Well, I had two weeks off work. And just like the last time I had two weeks of work, I did not get through those full two weeks without being contacted by my boss to say, hey, services manager wants to know if you can spend a little bit of time in that other place. How much time? About two weeks, something like two weeks. I thought, yeah, well, whatever. So contacted the other place and was told instead of two weeks that I'd be there indefinitely while someone is healing up from a broken foot. Tragic. Anyhow, during those two weeks, there was an outbreak in that other place. and it all just, just about finished by the time that I had um, set foot there. And after a week, the boss of that other place was going on annual leave herself and directed us to Perhaps get in touch with families because visits could be reinstated again as of last week, the 14th. And I thought, maybe better to wait a little while, like the night before the 14th, to give out this information. Just in case something happens. But someone gave out the information anyway and started taking bookings and two days before visits were meant to take place, something happened a staff member tested positive for COVID-19 and as a consequence all the residents had to be tested for COVID-19 again the very next day and visits are suspended and you know a certain amount of time needs to pass before public health will allow them to reopen for visits so of course families had to be contacted again to tell them yeah those visits that were going to be taking place are no longer going to be taking place and we have to give out just the information that we're given, you know, we don't go into details, confidentiality and all that. Anyway, visits are suspended. Meanwhile, at the place where I was working prior to going, well, prior to having annual leave myself, they have, um, an outbreak right now. So, wherever I work at the moment, you know, there is or has been COVID affecting staff, residents. So, not a comfortable place to be by any stretch of the imagination. So anyway, I'd be meaning to, to record another episode, sometime sooner than this, but what I find is, times behaving strangely these days, whilst at work the days drag and the weeks pass like gas. And when I have time off that just goes in the blink of an eye. So I would intended to record things earlier than now, it just had not happened. So what have we got to look forward to? Well, the area in which I live is second worst in Scotland for Covid cases right now and come Friday we'll be basically going back into lockdown which means you know the brief respite that you could get at a cafe isn't going to be a thing anymore restaurants again will be shut. All non-essential retailers will be closed as well leaving supermarkets and takeaway. Um, take away food deliveries. So it's super, it's absolutely splendid. Anyway, gladly this does not affect Fraser with him going to nursery because schools are going to be open and you know, he still gets the benefit of going there and it reminds me he had this Halloween party on on the first week that I was off on the Wednesday and we had done the mad rushing around trying to find a suitable costume. In a minute. When would that have been? Do do, do 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 I've probably talked about this already, or maybe not. No, it was on the twenty-first. I think this took place at his nursery. So initially the intention was for him to go as postman Pat. The postman Pat costume never arrived on time. So we did the traipsing through the supermarkets and the shops trying to find something suitable and taggy costumes of varying, varying sizes, just not really fitting. So, we went the bare bones route, got some face paint, a vampire face paint kit, and a white shirt and black jeans. Did his face paint as best as we could. He's quite resistant to getting his face touched with any kind of cloth, so it was patchy, but it looked, looked good. And um, a little bit of. Um, artificial blood around the face and a whole lot of that doused all over his shirt Caroline was looking for perhaps something a little more conservative in the approach to a bloodthirsty vampire but me being me decided not to let a whole bottle of blood go to waste and just drench them in it and used the hairdryer to blow dry his shirt and Caroline thought he looked absolutely terrible, looked hellish, which is what you want in a bloodthirsty vampire, and then worried about the suitability of how he looked for, for nursery, given that he was two years old. And remember the Facebook post from the nursery suggesting age-appropriate costumes. I thought, well, people will be going as superheroes and other things vampires are fairly traditional and you know they've got no concept of what blood is really at that age so I wasn't particularly worried. Caroline was very worried and so worried that she asked me to say to the, the person when handing Fraser over that he was absolutely drenched in fake blood and if it was a bit much then they could put a hoodie on over him but such as it was when we went to collect him he was dressed exactly as I'd left him and the person that I handed him over to said no I'll be fine don't worry so there we go we took some photos of him and my cousin said he kind of looked a little bit like A cross between Heath Ledger's Joker and Gangrel from the WWF of the 90s. Not a bad combination, I think. So anyway, that was that. And on my birthday, I installed a new toilet seat. I was at a loss to think of anything. People ask me what I want for birthday and Christmas and things like that, and I just don't care. I'm not interested. But I needed a new toilet seat anyway, so I asked my sister-in-law if they would get me a new toilet seat so I installed that on my birthday. And Caroline had baked a cake. It was an orange, orange cake. It was pretty nice. I'm trying to remember what else happened on my birthday. It all seems such a blur, and it's only a few weeks ago. God damn it, cat! Stop clawing my feet! It's the beauty of um, having time to record this podcast that takes place in my place, which means the cat has company, and that means any bare flesh is at the mercy of a cat who misses me greatly. Last night I was asleep and he clawed my face, which was lovely. Just my left ear. So... Be under no impression Fraser should you get round to listening to this podcast later on in your life that these are pretty dark times we're living in right now you're blissfully unaware of that at this point in time you know this dark cloud is such that everyone really can see it but the civil lining, I think, for us, at least for the moment, is we're employed in one of the few services, the industries that is, although there is a greater risk to us catching the virus by the nature of the work, it is such that the, you know, where I hear about job losses and other pressures that industries, other than ours, are succumbing to right now, you know, that is the silver lining, that we still have work and, you know, it pays, you know, reasonably well, and Caroline is working night shift now, so she's looking forward to it. Going down to three days a week. Sorry, it is three days a week. So I'm looking forward to going down to two days a week. Because you know it's really difficult trying to sleep on the day leading up to the evening that you're meant to start work, and you know just where our shifts overlap. Sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. Because kind of like Caroline doesn't want to rely on my mum any more than she has to, so you know, even for like a few hours in the morning, it's been a big ask for Caroline to suggest, you know, if your mum comes in the morning, would she mind staying for a few hours so I could sleep for a bit at your place? And I know my mum wouldn't have a problem with that, but Caroline being Caroline, doesn't want to ask too much of her. But you know, I know my mum's happy to do that, and something we've been trying to get our heads round as of late is you know, an approach that works for both of us in terms of um, managing Fraser's behaviour whenever he doesn't immediately or doesn't do after several attempts what we're asking him to do what we need him to do and and Continues to do what we don't want him to do and things like that So we had a bit of an argument fairly recently because Caroline likes Waldorf stuff and I really don't like Waldorf stuff, but I'm not going to go into all the reasons and rehash all of that here but we came to consensus the other week that you know whatever we decide upon, you know, it has to work for for both of us. Because I think separately, what we do on our own with Fraser works. It's just I think there is something of a novelty for Fraser of us all being together, and that's when. He might be a bit more reluctant to do what we ask him to do, or excited and do things that he's not meant to do. Just trying to rein that in a little bit, but also being supportive and understanding and not losing the temper and stuff like that. Each of us sometimes have a difficulty in that regard. to not any significant degree or anything it's just, you know, the natural part of parenting is you will get frustrated eventually um, so I come back sometimes to the works of Jordan Peterson and I'm reading a book just now, also by Gabor Matty. Because Caroline had mentioned that she likes listening to him talk about different things. And um, So I've watched a few interviews with him on YouTube and I'm at the moment reading a book of his on my Kindle. Um, I can't remember what it's called at the moment, something to do with keep your kids close or don't let go of your kids or something like that but there is an idea he's discussing about attachment in that western society is such that parental attachment is being eroded by peer attachment and it's in peer attachment that causes um, behavioural issues and things later on because he says that, you know, for uh, a deep attachment a kind of um, more than just a moral compass but but something that guides um, the child they can only really have one source for that and if the attachment to the parents is not strong enough or it has been eroded by peer attachment then the views and opinions and norms and modalities of the peers become more important To the child and individual than those of the parents, which causes a problem in that it's the parents that have the knowledge and experience, life experience, and better able to guide the kid than the peers do. And this has got me thinking about some of the other things that I discussed earlier in the year, but also some stuff that's come about. You know, we see. Headlines about kids being radicalised by far-right groups and, you know, groomed by terror gangs and becoming Islamic extremists. You know, that whatever the, whatever the thing is, whatever the organisation is, whether it's friends at school, peers or online forums or whatever the hell it is they offer some sense of belonging and you know an appreciation you know not even so much an appreciation because it isn't about the individual it's about aligning with the core ideals of the group it's total right hand path at its worst you know it's come with us we will take care of you we will you know, make sure you're all right, but you subscribe to our ideals and belief systems and and live your life accordingly, um, as ill-informed as that may be. So in the case of the folk that join far-right groups, they then end up getting themselves into trouble and perhaps going down a violent pathway. Um, but the other... Another peer, um, peer attachment phenomenon where stuff going on is, you know, girls at school will quite often in their teenage phase just care more about the thoughts and opinions of you know, their friends than their parents anyway, but with the contagion of social media and, you know, always-on lifestyle, kids having access to mobile phones and, um, you know, some of the utter shite that is getting taught in schools, Um, as if it's age-appropriate to kids. Uh, I've talked enough about what I think of this, but the the whole inventing of transgender children you know this is a a peer attachment thing in and of itself as well when you know kids are unable really to understand the the nature of what all that might entail and because their peers, their YouTube personalities and people their age that have fallen into this trap have um, deemed appropriate to share and what not with one another. And they become themselves authorities on the issues when really they are no more informed. But. That's maybe a little too sensitive um, to really openly discuss, but fuck it, I already have, earlier on in the year. You know, the same goes of the Black Lives Matter movement. I got a t-shirt recently. I'm unashamed to say that it has a picture of Donald Trump on the front. And there goes a bunch of listeners, maybe, from the United States who have been listening so far, but for those who have stuck with me for the remainder of this sentence, it's a t-shirt, um, merchandise by Shining, so they've got a picture of Trump with a load of what can only be assumed as blood splatters in the background, and him pointing, and, caption at the bottom saying, no lives matter, and it's just such a perfect way to troll anyone with a vested interest in in that whole thing that happened over the last couple of years, the whole identity politics thing. Black lives matter, all lives matter, no lives matter until black lives matter shiny just cuts straight to this source and say, oh, actually no lives matter. (laughs) Just leave it at that. So, reading this book just now and being aware of all the stuff that's going on in the world and trying to think in my head, you know, what is practical to, to do to kind of nurture Fraser and protect him from peer attachment and uh, associated crap that goes along with that but at the same time there's also something of a cynicism in me because it's written from the perspective of an author who um, who survived the holocaust his mother also had to give him up for about a month so he views the lens from you know having he views the world through a lens of you know that first attachment being extremely significant and we live you know now in post world war culture where really since the 50s you know, that seems to be round about the time where peer attachment became something and there could be various reasons for that you know, the the stress, the psychological fallout from the second and first world wars and how that affected the breakdown of families just due to post-traumatic stress and alcoholism and unemployment and all that stuff, so under those circumstances where these are your models for how to live in your world, is it any wonder that kids would look elsewhere to confide in one another who have a shared experience of that. So is perhaps become you know a product of the 20th century and continues and is further exacerbated by social media and, and whatnot today the the pressures of working the economic pressures of trying to, to hold roofs above heads and all that unit, the family unit, as eroded as it has been through, you know, divorce and whatnot previously, is is now so rare to have any one or both parents available in any meaningful way for their kids in terms of time and Presence. It's so got me thinking about, you know, the time and presence that I have with Fraser. I work full time. I work shifts, and this may mean that I might see him for a couple of hours after he finishes nursery, after I finish work, through until bedtime. and then from early in the morning through to beyond lunchtime or taking him to the nursery or just not at all early in the morning and then you know later on I'm trying to think about how to instil a sense of quality to our relationship the book is making for some difficult reading however because i have reached the end of the first part and it is said that you know for parents who live apart there may at times be a struggle to it's still an attachment with the kid because the attachment is best best served when you know it's on the individual basis between father and son and mother and son but also there is the attachment of the the parents together as an entity and you know that togetherness as parents is a rare thing um, because our days off do not easily coincide And we don't live together. You know, when Caroline says to me, Are you excited you're going to have, you know, this night to yourself at your place, or however many nights to yourself at your place? I think, Why would I be excited about that? This does not feel like home where I am currently, in my flat. This is, this is like an expensive hotel room and I'm on a business trip. That's pretty much what this feels like. Granted, the the bed is more comfortable, the decor, more to my taste, I have access to more music that I like than I would perhaps at a hotel, and the commute isn't so big a deal. But it does not feel like home, it hasn't felt like home here since, um, since Fraser was born, really, because home is with the family that we have started, and I try to have that, that sense of togetherness and so when we argued the last, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, various bullshits I'm not going to get into, that is exactly the last thing I want because having time off together is so rare, but you know, in togetherness there would inevitably be conflict at some stage and it's a natural thing, but where togetherness is more the norm rather than the exception, such as it is with our lives, then there would be more of an opportunity to reconcile quickly and you know, have that appear more sustained rather than, you know, as quickly as we reconcile. It might be days before we're back together again as a family because of shifts and work patterns and days off not coming together kind of thing. So, these are some of the things I'm thinking about right now bother me a lot because i haven't found a solution to these problems yet but um this place has outlasted its usefulness so today i met with an estate agent to discuss putting it on the market and what that would entail and you know getting a, a feel for what the market is like at the moment, and and how much money um, the place might be worth, and whether there was anywhere I'd been looking at, such as it was. I had found a place that I was interested in, but it was sold within three days of going up, so, nearly a chance. I will be discussing with my mortgage lenders. Um, in the coming weeks or so you know just how much more they are likely to be able to give me given my, um, my current salary and my needs so then I will have an idea for what places I can then seek to bid on that narrows down you know the kinds of places I want to look at a fair bit as well but generally I don't want to spend too much on the next place I'm not looking for much I'm looking for somewhere that has two bedrooms outside access to a garden or something like that somewhere Fraser can play if he happens to be not very near a park or whatever somewhere that isn't terribly far from where Caroline works, somewhere in the same town we live in currently, basically. And there are several places like that on the market just now. It's just a matter of finding one that really suits everything that I'm needing and is available at the time that I need it to be, so. The ball has started rolling, but with lockdown happening From this Friday, I am not likely to be able to get professional decorators in on time to redecorate the damn place. So, my plan for tomorrow after work is to go to B&Q and pick up some polyfiller for the holes in the walls, sandpaper to smooth them down, something else to help make stripping the whole wallpaper off easier. And you know, a tin tin or two of paint and rollers, etc. just to get the place a little bit cleaner looking so that when it comes time to get it photographed it looks a little bit more presentable than what it does. And we'll take things from there and see where we end up. I think I've rambled enough for tonight. So this is recorded on the 17th of November. It's going out on the 19th. So anyone that's subscribed or happens to be following, you'll get a notification out of nowhere. It's as if I've come back from the dead. But how soon I'll be back again remains to be seen. You know, I always say I am to be back on a regular schedule. But who can promise that the way the world is right now, the way everything is right now? Who can, you know... If they're not dealing with all this shit on a daily basis and all the other stuff, who could say for definite without recording episode after episode after episode? I'm not doing that. It's boring. Anyway, till next time, take care.